You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. And Richard Tauber are singing by the bed. There's a glass of punch below your feet and an angel at your head. There's devils on each side of you with bottles in their hand. You need one more drop of poison and you'll dream of foreign lands. When you pissed yourself in Frankfurt and got sipped out in Cologne, and you're at the rattling deck trains as you lay there all your whiskey in a brothel in Madrid And you take some fucking blackshirt who is cursing all the yids And a sick bit of Coo Cullen will nail and say a prayer But it goes a rattling at the door and the devil's in that chair Alright, for this episode we'll be talking about The Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and The Lash. In the room I have Rob. Come on, you bastards. <laughs> and on the line I have Ben. I am here. And Kyle. Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash is the second studio album by the London-based folk punk band The Pogues, released on the 5th of August, 1985, on the Stiff Record label uh, in MCA in the U.S. and Canada. Producer was Elvis Costello, and the genre is Celtic punk, folk punk, and new wave. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Mark Deming. Quote, I saw my task was to capture them in their dilapidated glory before some more professional producer fucked them up. Elvis Costello wrote of his role behind the controls for the Pogue's second album, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. One spin of the album proves that Costello's accomplished his mission. This album captures all the sweat, fire, and angry joy that was lost in the thin, disembodied recording of the band's debut, and the Pogues sound stronger and tighter without losing a bit of their edge in the process. It also found Shane McGowan's growing steadily as a songwriter. While the debut had its moments, the blazing and bitter roar of the opening track, The Sick Bed of Kukala, made it clear McGowan had fused the intelligent anger of punk and the sly storytelling of Irish folk as no one had before, and the rent boys serenade of the old man drag and the dazzling drunken character sketch of a pair of brown eyes proved there were plenty of directions where he could take his gifts. And like any good folk group, the Pogues also had a great ear for other people's songs. Bassist Kate O'Rourdon's haunting performance of I'm a Man You Don't Meet Every Day is simply superb. And while Shane McGowan may have not written Dirty Old Town or and the band played Waltzing Matilda, his wrought emotional compelling vocals made them his from then on. Rum Sodomy and the Lash falls just a bit short of being the Pogues' best album, but it was the first one to prove that they were the were a great band and not just a great idea for a band. All right, what do we think of the Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash? No, I love that no line. A great duh. band, not just a great idea for a band, because yeah. it is a great idea for a band. Yeah. But the 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 Pogues execute. They execute better than anyone no, who's trying to do no. this. I mean, I, it's hard to even think of a band that is so different kind of ahead of their peers in in what they're kind of accomplishing 
it's 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 out of this world and i'm just not that big of a fan of the bands that were inspired to start bands after the pogues did it or before i mean i I mean dubliners man i like that yeah no i don't get me wrong i do like that music but it's just there's something very 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 special about the pogues that just resonates so much with me i mean you gotta it feels like there's zero affectation in a pogue song in a Dropkick Murphys song, I feel like there's some affectation. Okay. Yeah. You know? Also, you got fucking the drunkest James Joyce of all time writing the saddest <laughs> short stories. Yeah. And he can also write a fucking song on top of it. Like, it's beautiful poetry. Yeah. Yes. Like, and uh, no, no, no one, no one writes the way that Shaman Gowan does, like, lyrically. Yeah. Just it's... Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He made a big fan out of Tom Waits. He made a big fan out of um, Joe Strummer. I mean, everyone was calling him, you know, the next great writer of of uh, music, of these folk songs, bringing that Irish history and heritage to yeah. England. And man. And like many other Irishmen before him. Yeah. <laughs> fell victim I, to that bottle. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Rob. no, no. He's, he's, he's still putting out good stuff. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. He also has brand new teeth. They look great. Brand new as of 10 years ago. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's frightening. Newish. I feel like the Pogues, like not um, not only are they they bucking modern trends in popular music. I feel like I I really enjoyed the Dexys Midnight Runners albums. We've listened to both of them. Mm hmm. But it still feels like like Dexys Midnight Runners. Like it feels like uh, like the dude Kevin or whatever had like a concept and 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 then like put it together. And then I brought it the Pogues. It when I'm listening to a Pogues album, it feels like these songs have been alive and well in the corner pub for 300 years being played every night. And we're just finally shining some light on them. I don't feel like, like someone is taking the old music and, and revamping it. I, 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 I I don't know the history of the members of the Pogues, but it just feels like when I listen to them, it, it feels like, like it feels like they've been in the pubs playing this music every weekend of their life. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is Shane McGowan's a song collector. Mm-hmm. I mean, in his brain, before the Pogues even started, he had hundreds of songs just rolling around in there, which it makes a lot of sense when you hear the, the songs because they sound timeless. He's got those timeless... It's got the uh, timeless characteristics, and I think... Yeah, and not just to give credit to him, the whole the whole band uh, really executes on that. Yeah, I mean we're we're listening to an instrumental right now that uh, <laughs> that riff is fucking amazing. The, the, the wild, Wildcats of Kilkenny yeah. is what we're yeah. listening to right now. And if I had to describe it, it sounds like an Irish spaghetti western theme. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best uses of the auto harp that I think I've ever heard. Oh yeah. Like my yeah. mom used to have an auto harp and <laughs> I used to think, what could you possibly do with an auto harp, you know, besides <laughs> start sing. a love and spoonful cover band? Exactly. But here it is. Dixie and DJ use it. What Kyle, what's the name of that band? Body Features. Uh the Body Features. Yeah, body Features, yeah. Dixie yeah. Dixie plays a, a mean auto harp. So so there. Is there anything <laughs> that you do with an auto harp other than like hitting whole notes like uh, if you're playing an auto harp are you always just like putting a texture behind stuff or can you like shred an auto harp you can kind of pick but they're so close together it's not like a harp Mm -mm. it it, it, it is to 
provide that little uh yeah yeah sort of the texture behind it yeah. but it always just sounds like it's like big chimey whole notes scraping like mm-hmm, a scraping yeah. chord mm-hmm. it's literally what it is yeah <laughs> uh do love the cover <laughs> the cover <laughs> every time i see the cover <laughs> it's hilarious so good if you haven't seen the cover, it's based <laughs> on the uh, the painting, uh, The Raft of the Medusa by uh, Theodore Jericho. Only uh, the <laughs> character, the, the members of the band's faces are superimposed uh, on the, the doomed crew of, <laughs> of the Wayward Raft. I think <laughs> and Shane McGowan wearing sunglasses. Yeah, the sunglasses. The sunglasses. Are just, <laughs> it's like the <clears throat> chef's kiss, the icing on the cake. Because <laughs> the other people, you're like, eh, kind of looks like it's the original you know like like if you squint you can kind of like yeah it, it could be that but no the sunglasses are just <laughs> that album cover the place reminded me and because i had completely spaced it like how much garth ennis based the character of cassidy from preacher on shane mcgowan sure looks mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. like him. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i was gonna say too um you know, we were listening to this the other day. I saw that cover and I was like, this might be one of the first covers to to like put the band members faces on like something else, like a classical piece. And I couldn't think of anything before this album. I'm sure there there's probably wow, some. Wow. Uh, but theirs wasn't super superimposed. Theirs was staged like oh, okay. the uh, like the, the luncheon on the grass or whatever. Okay. The, the, oh, the yep. man. Yep. No, you're yeah. right. Good call. Oh, Kate O'Rourden. Yeah. Singing her heart out on I'm a man you don't need every day. The things I didn't know until this week. Uh, that Elvis Costello produced this album. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Kate O'Rourden had a relationship with Elvis Costello. Years and, and that, years and years and years and years. And that, oh yeah, like decades. And that they met while he was, like they their relationship started during these recording sessions. And I guess that's also kind of like, why she left the Pokes because she started touring with Elvis mm-hmm. Costello's band yep. shortly after they started dating. I didn't know any of that until this week. It's cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chrysco wrote something interesting on his review, and that was that uh, Elvis Costello is the reason why you can understand Shane McGowan, like basically like coaching him to enunciate every word, which on a later review, he for Fall from the Grace of God, he gives it a, a, a lower grade because you can't understand a word that Shane McGowan's saying sometimes. Okay. But yeah, he, he he fully lays it at the feet of Elvis Costello for uh, getting him to enunciate. Yeah. Enunciate. Yeah. I wish uh I wish Turla was here to tell this story, but he he's told me this story enough times I feel like I can recant it. He got to uh, Murder by Death did uh, uh, some shows opening for the Pogues and Adam he it was like one of his favorite bands growing up and he got invited to uh, go out to dinner with Shane and, and his wife. And so it was such an honor. He says, they're sitting there. Everyone at the table is speaking English, but whenever Shane says something, his wife will translate for Adam, <laughs> even though they're all speaking English. <laughs> and you know, something's funny. Cause he goes,
So seriously, next to everything that Shane McGowan writes, I just wrote next to it, fucking poetry. Fucking poetry, man. Fucking poetry. Fucking poetry. Except for Jesse James, where I just wrote pew, pew, pew. Um, cause it, I love Parabrenos. Yeah. It's fucking poetry, man. Ah, that was that so was the hit good. from this album, too, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah. That was the first single, then Sally McLennan, and then uh, Dirty Old Town. Dirty Old Town. Uh, this was my first time hearing this record. Really? What? Oh, man. <laughs> it's like one of my awesome. favorites, dude. I mean, we're going to have to talk about the end. But yeah, I've, I've heard a best of of the Pokes. Sure. So you've heard a lot of this. Um, but I never sat down and listened to one of their you know, records end to end. And it was fantastic. It's like a greatest hits in itself, right? Yeah. I mean, this yeah. one and both, um, it, both of them. Yeah. And just like, I think I was like the three-fourths mark, you know, listening to it, I was like, I don't know. Getting kind of old. And then I got back into it. Yeah. <laughs> this this album's end-to-end. Like, I look forward to listening to it, you know, all week. Uh, listening to it over and over. I think half the people who have been on this podcast have, have played in a Pogues cover band together. <laughs> yeah. For, for years. Yeah. How many years yeah. has it been? Uh, since 2008. 2007, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was trying to remember. And it's, what now, 2021? Yeah, yeah. It's so been, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this, this stuff. If is we were the, if we were the the Meekins, we would have gotten good by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is baked into my brain. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. To, it was hard for me to definitely step back and and listen with fresh ears because mm-hmm. it's just like you were saying, Ben. It just feels like you've been singing these songs for years and years because you guys literally have. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, too, can I play harmonica on Dirty Old Town? What's up? I play harmonica. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. That, that's when I count in one, two, three, me, Rob. Because <laughs> I was playing the harmonica on the accordion. But yeah, go for it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I will happily take a beer break. I, just... I don't get any beer breaks in that fucking band. <laughs> yeah, Rob you really covers don't. all the instruments that we don't have people to play. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. That... Get Matt, uh, Matt Martin asking me to do that just because I had an accordion was the only reason that I kind of got good at playing keyboards. Mm-hmm. Like, I fully blame it on having to run right. like that shit. Because what the accordion player is doing is akin to just what the guitarist from Iron Maiden does. Right. Just constant soloing yeah. just, up and down. Yeah. He's just shredding. So, yeah. Thanks, Matt. I kind of got and, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, sincere thanks to Matt. And uh, on a similar note, uh, when we were forming that first iteration of the Fogues, I owned a mandolin but didn't know how to play it. But owning a mandolin was enough to secure the mandolin position of, in the Fogues <laughs> since we already had a drummer. <laughs> so I had to learn how to play it. Now And now I now I kind of know how to play mandolin. So, so yeah, the, Thanks, Matt. <laughs> I know what the left-handed buttons do, and I know where they are, but I can't search them out while I'm playing. <laughs> but I know I know how it works now. So thanks, Matt. <laughs> Kyle, would you like to thank Matt for anything? Thank him for a lot of things. Are you, are you getting at something? What's going no, on? No, we're all just thanking Matt right now. So I was asking if you wanted to thank him for anything. I'd like to thank, thank him you. for that EP that he put out. 
that last year was fun. Oh, that was a great EP. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Kyle, what's the elephant in the room that you alluded to? Do you not like the half host? the people on this pod? No, just the fact that half the people who have been featured on this podcast have played in this Pogues cover band. And we yeah. didn't mention it. At the, at it's the a beginning. fun thing to do with friends once a, a year. It's a tribute band, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jake uh, Willingham had a really good quote. He said, a disheveled bard, speaking about McGowan, a disheveled bard who split the difference between Van Morrison and the single drunkest karaoke performer you've ever seen. McGowan's shambling (laughs) vocals came to define the Pogues, one of a kind mix of Celtic music and British punk. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I want is a the mix of Celtic jig folk scene with British punk. Yeah. What more could you <laughs> ask? Fucking with yep, yep. beautiful sing-along lyrics that you can sip whiskey to like we're doing right now. I'm trying to figure out a better analogy than chocolate in my peanut butter. You got some bananas in my Nutella, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so I had never heard that uh, Winston Churchill quote before. That's a good That's quote, isn't funny. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you're not familiar with the quote, Kyle, do you, do you want to do it? Talk to me about naval tradition. It's nothing but rum, sodomy, and the lash. Full <laughs> <laughs> blooded. Yeah. It's not, not, it's not untrue. He's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the Pogues kind of felt that that although although they're not sailors, uh, that that sentiment kind of summed up the vibe they were going for. And then on the album cover, they are all on a boat. When did they do South Australia? What record was that? Was that a Fall from Grace? That is Fall from Grace. Okay. Yeah. Is that... And we're going to get that. I mean, Navigator. Is Spider singing? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. He sings sings Jesse James on this one. Sound like similar voice. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, I think it's really striking too. Dirty Old Town, which we we got right now. How and out of tune this note coming up right so here is. Yep. It's completely and utterly out of tune. Um, the 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 opening harmonica uh, riff. There's one note that's incredibly out of tune, and because I was trying to learn it, mm-hmm. I was playing along with it, and every time that note hit, just like. Yeah. Did he air sharp or air flat for it? Uh, there's no real airing on on the accordion. You guys have to tune to me if you don't remember. <laughs> oh no, I, I do remember having to tune to your accordion. Yes. <laughs> but uh, who wrote "Dirty Old Town"? There, it was a stage play in the early mid 20th century that there was an awkward set change that they had to do for the forwarding of the story. And to make the set change less awkward, they just wrote this song for a character to play and sing while they're moving like the set pieces behind them to set up like the next act. That's fucking awesome. And the and yeah, and the audience liked this. It was just supposed to be kind of like a throwaway background song, but the audience liked it and it kind of became a hit on its own right. Yeah. Uh, Ewan McCullough or McColl. Do you have the name of the play there? And it, it was made popular by the Dubliners. Okay. Uh, the name of the play? Uh, it was Landscape with Chimneys. Landscape with Chimneys. Good uh, Good name of a play to have a song called Dirty, Dirty Old Town. 1949. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, after he does it, I feel like 
I heard the Dublinders. I listened to it this week and I don't know. There's something about this that that's a little bit. I, I think it's Shane uh, mainly just his his vocalizations of, of things. Just it just sounds like a man of, the, you know, salt of the earth, man of the people, what? you know, getting a little loose. Having a that f- he is a few drinks. His range is one octave and just, yeah, going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty Old Town was a uh, track one on that best of like two CD set that it was really? to. So I, that's surprising. So this me. is track one on side two. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I thought it was a great opener, to be honest. Huh. Mm-hmm. I guess it kind of gets you in the mood. Mm-hmm. I just figured it would, you know, streams of whiskey or something that would be a little more upbeat would start off a, a best of. What was your first introduction uh, to this band? Oh, I mean, it was around the time when I was getting into punk and getting more into The Clash. And from The Clash, it was like the Pogues. And uh, around that time, oh, you know what it was? It was all those bands like Flogging Molly, Dropkick Murphys. And they were all referencing and people were being like, oh, it's the Pogues. You know, like mm. they're doing the Pogues thing. And so naturally you go back and you listen to those those albums, you're like, oh yeah, this is like, it. oh, this is this is way better. This is way better, and they're not even from Los Angeles. <laughs> How about you, Ben? <laughs> Probably a bit similar to Birch. It, it was like late teens when I was getting into older punk. Uh, being roommates with Adam definitely helped speed it along because he he loved them like in high school, and then in like 2007, I played drums on. A, a tour with Will Whit- Will, uh, William Elliott Whitmore, and he had just come off of a leg supporting the Pogues. So the tour van was playing a lot of recently. It was also, it was, it was like mid March. So that's like when you listen to Pogues anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, that I came home from, from that 2007 tour uh, with a lot of these songs rattling around in my head. And then later on that year, uh, Matt put that band together. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle? Uh, yeah, I was watching the, the Fogues. <laughs> okay. And I went and got a, a two CD set from the library. Well, hot damn. And this is, like I said, yeah, it's the first time I've listened to an actual record end to end. Man, I'm excited to get to listen to another one too off this project because yeah. it's also yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Would you would you say better? Uh, no, this is my favorite. I was gonna say I thought that was really weird in the write up when it was okay. like, not the best. I was like, I think it's up for debate. I bet I bet debate. a lot of people would pick one and a lot of people would pick the other. And it's not like the um, the the Pixies conundrum where the first no. one you listen to is your favorite. Like there's, it's just it's deeper than that. Yeah, I I couldn't do without either of them. Losing either one of those two records would be devastating. I, and not like the physical copy, but not being able to access the music uh, on either of those two records, have it, it being lost to time. I need both Rum Sarami and The Lash and Fall from Grace with God in my life. Well, Jimmy Glider, man again, the pub where I was born. He played it from the night time to the pace of early morn. He sold the souls of psychos and the men who had the horn. And they all left very happy in the morning. But Jimmy in this world of ours Where the other man brought storm in his necks And he had too many pairs So I sat to see the grieving of the people that I'm leaving And he took the road for God knows in the morning We walked him to the station in the rain We kissed him as we put him on the train And we sang him a song that ties long gone Now we knew that we'd be seen
there's a lot of good tracks on Hell's Ditch and the oh, other, yeah. the other, uh, even the first. I fucking love the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it cool album cover too. Gets its due. Yeah, like it's a uh, very metal. Looks like a, a cult. Yeah, <laughs> album cover. The, Are you talking about the record before this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 font. I, that I read that it has a lot of like covers on it. It does. Yeah, P- Pogues do a lot of covers historically. This album has a lot of covers on it. Yeah, that one has one of uh, that, that's got the um, uh, the Battle of Brisbane on it. Mm-hmm. It's got Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan. Off, that's my first yeah. favorite. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, it's Battle- got Waxy's Dargle. Waxy's Dargle is fucking amazing too. Battle of Brisbane is my favorite of the uh, the instrumentals, only because it's about a thing that was it Australia, Ben? It was Australia, where it was uh, it was a battle that took place, but it was completely friendly fire going back and forth. <laughs> And a couple people. So, li- so listen, <laughs> listening to Pogue's lyrics and go has sent me down more World War One Wikipedia holes. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, like especially like like so yeah, Battle of Brisbane, absolutely. But then like this one, uh, like the closing track, the band played Waltzing Matilda. There's so many specific references to like the 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 Gallipoli campaign mm-hmm. that I didn't know much about, but uh, but. It's one of those things where is it it's I think that is a lot more part of UK and Australia and New Zealand historical canon as opposed to United States historical canon. Which is like weird they, that like, a Scotsman wrote it. But yes, he wrote it, but I, I actually read into that. He he was a like a World War One history sponge when he was a nerdy kid. And then he moved to Australia when As he was a, a young adult. man. As a nerdy adult, he moved to Australia and kind of started to just like soak in. I forget the name of it. It's the acronym, like uh, the Australian and New Zealand armed... The, the troops that were under the British Empire, but were Australians and New Zealanders, that they would just ship somewhere that they needed cannon fodder. Like these, those poor bastards and their story uh, that is so much a part of like Australia and New Zealand's history. And also it's like the first time that those imperial British territories really had much of a sense of country as to when they were losing their men mm-hmm. to a campaign for an empire thousands of miles away. Like that gave them such like a sense of more, more a sense of like their country community than we're just in another part of the British empire. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that the, the, the story that's recanted in the band played waltzing Matilda was the botched sea invasion of Gallipoli that I guess historically is just one of the, Worst tactical mistakes made in a war. They just sailed in and got blown to bits. I still, then, I, I still advocate that we should have that as our closer, but no one wants to do that because <laughs> no, you guys are a no, bunch of babies. You, you want to close? You want to close a bar show with the band played Waltzing Matilda? I want the spotlight to come down solely on Nick <laughs> or Jackson, whoever's doing it. And then he sweeps it up and then puts it in his pocket and then walks off. That's what I want. Uh, so the release of this album, they had a launch party and I have two different uh, 
eyewitnesses about what happened at the launch party. It was aboard a boat, uh, the HMS Belfast, uh, which uh, I guess says we were piped aboard from a feeder boat in the full naval regalia we wore on the cover and played a short set for the assembled uh, lingers. I don't know what that means. Uh, this took <laughs> such organization that by the time we played all the all the uh, rum, the only drink on a board, if I recall, had been quaffed by the melody maker and NME journalists who then went on to throw each other overboard. <laughs> now, there's another re recanting of the tale by Shane that says just after the launch, they got dressed up in their 18th century pirate outfits, got on the boat. Uh, there was free booze and all the journalists got pissed and one of them fell off the boat and then had to be rescued by the police. But we stayed sober because all the booze was gone. <laughs> that might be the only show that Where the audience sober. is drugged <laughs> and the pogues are not. <laughs> Man, oh, Billy's bones. I, I don't know how much this is going to mean to anyone listening in podcast land, but listening to the pogues makes me miss my friends. Yeah. Yeah, me too. The, the very last thing that I did that you did, Rob, before the world closed down was played that that show at Nakbar. Yeah. That's the very last thing we did. That was that March. Was, that was March fifteenth, thirteenth, thirteenth, March thirteenth, because it was a Friday yeah. the thirteenth, right? Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, twenty twenty. All right, all the way, all the way going up to that show, we were debating like, are we going to play the show? Should we cancel it? Should we cancel it? And then we ended up playing it. Very few people showed up, which we were all grateful for. <laughs> I was screaming at people to wash their hands as they're coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> And then we get done playing, and then Nick's like, yeah, Kat doesn't feel well this week. <laughs> and we all just, like, backed away. Yeah. And, and funny story, she totally had COVID. She definitely had COVID. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Oh, my God. Yeah, we, we there was no hugging. There were, Everyone was kind of keeping no. their distance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because I had just come off of that tour with Cat Casual mm -hmm. and, like, just watching, like – as we're driving, like, uh, South by Southwest gets canceled and just, yeah, fuck. I mean, I knew once the college basketball got canceled, I was like, something's up. Like, yeah. they would not just up and do that. It's not uh, a bad song on the album. No. There really isn't. I mean, there's some could argue that, you know, one or two sounds somewhere to previous because it's cyclical. I mm -hmm. mean, the Irish music has. You'll have that. Yeah. Yeah. C D G G D C G C D D C. -D. You know, sometimes the three chords of country and the three chords of punk just get muddled in my brain. <laughs> and <laughs> I just that, start playing Pogue songs. That's and, and thank you for bringing that up. Like that was one of the big like takeaways I came from learning all of these songs was like, wow, you really can just use the same stuff over and over and over again and tell completely different stories on every single song, even mm -hmm. with even within that those confines. Yeah, and a lot mm -hmm. of that traditional folk music is made to is made so that people can join you without actually knowing the song. Yeah, knowing the song structure. So you just sit down and you know you have the uh, tell them what key. Yeah, you yeah. tell them what key and in. They'll, they'll probably pick up on it after the first verse. I mean, until you get to some of the like 
way more complex like Irish like mm-hmm. counts that were just yeah. bangers and mash and sausages, mash and bangers, sausages and mash, bangers and mash and, mash and, mash and sausages. sausages like <laughs> you know oh shit they learned to count to 11 yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, those reels got easier to count once we figured out the bangers and mash and sausages trick yeah for sure so many of those songs will have like the breakdowns like and we were all having trouble counting it because it's mathy but then bangers and mash and sausages bangers and mash and sausages bangers and mash and sausages like that's that's the phrasing of like the irish real the the real in 11 how do we feel? I think we're all on the positive on this one. one of my favorite records. It's, it's in, in my estimation, yeah, it's, it's, really, a, it's a perfect record. So A plus. It's a fantastic yeah. record. You it's must great. listen to this before you pass. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We'll get a, to the debate on the next one, which which is the uh preferred, but yeah, this is Do they need to have a best stellar. album? Can they can they have like two stellar albums? They sure can. Yeah, absolutely. They can have they can have twelve stellar albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, next time we'll be talking about Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. I think so. That's good. Oh, my name is Jock Stewart. I'm a canny gunman and a roving young fella. I've been so we.